Hi, I'm Patty Scalzo, and welcome to today's edition of Shi'ar Jashub. My husband, Greg Scalzo, is pastor of Shi'ar Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut, and our church fellowship is so blessed to bring you this insightful Bible study program. Pastor Greg has been teaching on what the scriptures have to say concerning heavenly authority. We have been going through the Bible book by book, uncovering numerous truths and principles along the way, even while reviewing the important foundational biblical events. For the last few sermons, Pastor has been discussing Israel's request for a king in 1 Samuel chapter 8, and today we will begin his message detailing the workings of the kingship in Israel. Now, here is Pastor Greg Scalzo. We've been in 1 Samuel chapter 8, in the section where the Israelites demand a king, and we remember that the Lord told Samuel that in so doing, they rejected him, that he should not reign over them. God was to be their only king, but they want to be like the nations around them. And the Lord is going to allow them. He tells Samuel to do what they have requested, to give them a king, but to first warn them, and we've discussed that, the warning of what the king would do, the nature of having a monarchy, how he takes from the people, how you have the supreme ruler. And the Lord allows it, and the Lord will use it, but it's not God's heart's desire. And we remember the Lord's heart's desire when we go back into Exodus chapter 19, and we remember the words spoken on Mount Sinai when the Lord said in chapter 19, verse 6, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words which you shall speak to the children of Israel, he tells Moses. That's the heart's desire of God, that there would not be one monarch that the people would serve. God would be the king the people would serve, and the people all would be a kingdom of priests, kings and priests unto God. And we'll see that fulfilled under the new covenant. Let me read ahead in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 4, it says, John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits or the sevenfold spirit who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. So Jesus is above all the kings established in the world. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. And obviously it speaks about the salvation we have in Jesus Christ. Verse 6, And has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. 
in the salvation that the Lord Jesus provides for us. He is over all the kings of the earth. And he makes us a special chosen people. He washes us. He saves us from our sins by his own blood. And verse 6, he makes us kings and priests to his God and Father. The Lord desires a tremendous freedom in the Holy Spirit for his people that we should rule and reign with the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the image even back on Mount Sinai, that they would be a kingdom of priests. But the people did not want to consecrate themselves. And so hierarchies developed. There was a need for the priesthood. And still, God did not want them to have a supreme monarch. He was to be king. But the people cry for a king. In Revelation chapter 5, in verse 8, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the twenty-four elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and have made us kings and priests to our God and we shall reign on the earth. So again, the high calling, the covenant fulfilled in Christ Jesus, the heart's desire of God of a kingdom of priests, kings and priests under the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled in the new covenant. But we've gone ahead of our study in heavenly authority. Let's go back to this point in 1 Samuel chapter 8. Before this point in Israel's history, before this crying out by the people for a monarch, for a king, Israel was truly a theocracy, a theocracy, God as supreme ruler. And in such, the worship of God was supposed to be central to the nation. The people, as we saw in the book of Judges, had great liberty and great freedom under this theocracy, this worship of God. But it was freedom that was not supposed to be chaos with everyone just doing what was right in his or her own eyes, as it says, without concern for what God wanted, for God's ways. Rather, there was to be the tabernacle, the religion, the worship of Yahweh, the ark, the ministry of the law, central in Israel was to be the compass for the nation. And the place where the ark had settled, that tabernacle, was to provide all the cohesiveness that Israel would need to make them a nation, the 12 tribes into one unified, powerful nation, one nation under God. We saw the failure at Shiloh. We've seen the failure of the people in freedom. They did not handle the freedom they had with responsibility. But under the theocracy, the Lord would choose leaders. His spirit would move upon the nation and pick individuals as he saw fit from diverse tribes and diverse locations in Israel, leaders, judges. And the 
concern of the people of the individual was each to consecrate themselves and to seek the Lord's guidance. That's the way it was supposed to be. That's the way God set it up for the theocracy. But now we'll have a monarchy. And God takes these wrong desires and he'll use it as long as the king that's established is obedient unto him. Again, we have another layer here. Rather than the people being directly under the sovereignty of God, now we have people under the sovereignty of a man and the hope that that man will stay under God. And of course, none of the men in this lineage will actually stay under God. We'll go from Saul, then we go to David, a man after God's own heart, and his descendants become just like Saul, and David himself sins. And it takes one man, one king, one of the line of David, one like us, but really he's God in the flesh, that truly is obedient in every way unto God. And so again, only God is king. Actually, the cry for a king is simply another manifestation, another symptom of the problem of Israel, of their sinfulness for not being responsible in their freedom. And since they're not doing what they're supposed to, and they're not walking under God's protection, since they're not in the supernatural, which would have allowed the cohesiveness to come from the tabernacle and the people being free after that, the Lord will actually use their wrong attitude to bring about in the natural a monarchy that will then unite Israel and will make it a powerful nation under David, under Solomon. You'll have the united Israel with great power, a leader among the nations at that time, and then we'll see, because of sin, the power quickly fades and it's divided into two kingdoms. Very much like in this country how we had a civil war with North and South, there'll be a civil war in Israel with Northern Israel and Southern Judah. And none of this surprises God. A matter of fact, we're going to look at today, in his foreknowledge, he made provision for this monarchy back in the time of Moses. Now, it's not the heart's desire of God, but he foreknows it. And in foreknowing it, since he will allow it, his conditional will, you know, there's two different wills of God. There's his conditional will, what he will allow because of our wrong attitudes, and his positional will, what he actually desires us to do. They are not in the positional will of God. This is not his heart's desire to have this kingship. But he will allow it. And in foreknowledge, knowing what will happen, he actually speaks of it to Moses. And let's look at that today in Deuteronomy chapter 17. In Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verse 14. Very interesting section. When you come to the land which the Lord your God is giving you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me. So the Lord knows what's going to happen. They're going to come in and they are going to ask for this. He's not telling them this. They're going to ask for it. Verse 15 you shall surely set a king over you, whom the Lord your God chooses. 
one from among your brethren. You shall set as a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses. One from among your brethren you shall set as a king over you. You may not, you may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. So in foreknowledge, knowing they're going to ask this thing, he then gives them rules and regulations for how they should go about this monarchy. And you see, it's someone that God has to choose. Since the people are going to be obedient onto this man, they're going to give him everything. They're going to give money to him and power to him and armies to him and weapons to him. He better be someone that God chooses. You have been listening to the teaching ministry of Greg Scalzo, pastor of Shear Jeshub Christian Tabernacle of Madison, Connecticut. We hope you have enjoyed today's study and will be listening as Pastor Greg continues this fascinating and important series. It is always a blessing for the church to hear from our listeners. Our address is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. That address again is Shear Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. Sunday service is held at the Madison Memorial Town Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison. May the Lord keep you safe in His blessed hands, as with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, you serve Him.